I said, hey, ladies and fellas, if you're listening, as a woman of color, it is so hard to find lipsticks and glosses that really pop on my beautiful brown skin. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When the lipstick is giving lackluster instead of Lil Mama, okay? (laughs) Well, I discovered the most radiant, saturated, and pigmented lipsticks for richer complexions, and I found them at the Lip Bar. The Lip Bar is a black woman-owned and led beauty brand that focuses on providing effortless beauty options for all women, but especially women like us with highly melanated skin. Oh, and did I forget to mention that all Lip Bar products are vegan and cruelty-free? Get into it, friends. Make sure you click the link in the show notes to receive 10% off your first or next order of beauty products at the Lip Bar. Hashtag, you're welcome. Or the millennial woman is someone who's unapologetic. Someone who's still kind of looking back to family like, I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. <laughs> and, and just being open and honest. You are now listening to the Sugar Free Podcast, the premier life advice podcast for millennial women. Welcome to the tea party, friends. Now tell me, girl, how you like your tea. You know it's sugar free. How you like your tea? Up in here, we like it sugar free. Come through, stop by, get up with me. With your girl sitting back, I'm a little crazy. Ooh, right here with me. It's where you wanna be. Let's get it sugar free. Yeah. Tell me, girl. How you like your tea? You know it's sugar free. Hey friends, do you know what today is? It is the season three premiere of the Sugar Free Podcast. Mama, look, mama, we made it. (laughs) Welcome friends, welcome to the first episode of season three of the Sugar Free Podcast and Can I just tell y'all how excited I am that we made it here? Like, for real. (laughs) Like, for real, for real. Y'all know that I love y'all and y'all know that I love this show. But every season is a fight. Every season is a struggle. It's a battle to make sure that I get these episodes together in time to bring them to you. And we are here, friends, fighting, thriving for another day. So welcome and thank you for tuning in. Ooh, I'm so excited for this season. But most importantly, I'm so excited for this episode. Look, today's guests, and yes, I said guests because there's more than one, dropped so many gems that I'm not even going to take up a whole bunch of y'all time with the intro. So what we talking about today? Today's episode is called The State of the Millennial Woman. And... The state of the millennial woman that I have concluded after talking to my girls about the topic is that we gonna be all right, all right? Cute Kendrick, okay? We gonna be all right. And so I decided that we needed to have a check-in at the top of this season because the theme for this season is feeling real good because that's the state and the phase of life that I'm in right now is I'm trying to figure out how I can feel my best all the time and so I want y'all to be right there with me so before we can get into the thick of the season where we're going to be speaking with a bunch of different experts about how we can improve our feelings and how we feel everything from mental health to our careers how we feel in our relationships before we get to that we got to do a temperature check right Where are we at? How are we feeling? So that's what today's episode is. It is the temperature check that we needed and didn't know we needed. The state of the millennial woman. So before we get into the thick of the episode, 
I want us to just go through some stats, okay? Because according to research, I want the research to tell us what the state of the millennial woman is in terms of our finances, our state of mind, where we at. Let's get into some facts and statistics because y'all know I love a good fact and statistic, right? (laughs) So according to research, millennial women are known for our strong determination, intelligence, and curiosity. We are always seeking new ways to improve. We are also educated, ladies, okay? 36% of millennial women hold at least a bachelor's degree compared to only 28% of millennial men and 29% of women overall. So we smart, okay? We are hustlers. There are more millennial women in the workforce compared to any other previous generation of women. You hear what I'm saying? We are healthy, okay? 46.5% of millennial women are considered overweight, boo, by somebody else's standards, meaning like BMI over 25, but that just means we are happy, okay? And we are healthy, because you know what else? We eat well. With 20% of millennial women reporting that they eat five or more servings of fruits and veggies per day, which is higher than most other demographics. So... We are eating well, we are healthy, we are living well. But you know what else we're doing? We're struggling. We're struggling with our mental health. With millennial women reporting that 4.9 days of every single month, we have poor mental health, right? So that's almost 20% 20 of the time we're feeling less than our best mentally. We are also using some substances to help elevate our mood and cope with some of our mental issues with 20% of millennial women also reporting that they binge drink meaning they drink to get drunk at least once a month but enough of those drag me down stats friends because we are also rich aunties okay we are living child free lives at higher rates than any other generation of women with 55% of millennial women having kids compared to 60% of Gen X women having or not having children at similar ages. We are also not tied to these men, okay? We are more likely to be unmarried (laughs) than any other generation. We are also more likely to be unmarried with children than any other generation with 33% of millennial mothers being unmarried compared to 29% for Gen X and 23% for baby boomers. And so I say all that to say that we have some work to do, but at the end of the day, we are happy. We are healthy. We are hustling. We are intelligent. We are curious and we going to be all right. All right. All right. (laughs) With that, let's get into this episode. So let's introduce our guest. Now, y'all know I don't like to introduce folks, but what I will say about our guest is that I have invited two of the fiercest, baddest millennial women that I know to talk about the current state of millennial women. Jess, why don't we start with you? Please tell us who you are, baby girl, and what you do. Okay. Hi, everyone. I am Jess Moore Matthews. I am 32 years old. I am a mom of two kids. I'm a wife. I'm an entrepreneur. And I am living in my hometown of Raleigh, North Carolina, actually right outside of Raleigh, Wake Forest, North Carolina, um, after almost 10 years in New York City. And yeah, it's great to be here. Yay, Carla, why don't you jump in there, girl? Tell us who you are and what you do. Um, Carla Gibson here, aka Carla G, singer, songwriter, performer Um, in New York City. I have been here almost a decade as well. And, you know, I got a boo. Uh, and, and, and let's see, for work specifically, I have my own one-woman show off-Broadway. And I am also a singer, the new gig, at a burlesque show downtown New York City. Love it. Love it. So 
the the reason why I had you guys provide those additional details. So normally during our show, we don't always like get into whether or not you have kids and marriage. But since this is the state of the millennial women episode, like I need for all the people to understand the how you identify. Right. And all of the variable facets that make up who you are, because we're not just talking about you as professionals. This episode, we're not just talking about you as wives or mothers or sisters like we are talking about all of you. So I feel like it's important for people to know from a holistic standpoint who you are so we can have a good framework for the conversation. So I want to start it off today's episode like light. I'm going to toss out like some some light questions to just kind of break up the mood. To get started, I want to know that if millennial women is its own subset of a generation, what millennial woman do you feel like is the true embodiment of our generation? I can go ahead and shout out one of my faves, although I think she may be Gen Z, but I okay. love Kiki Palmer. <laughs> I love Kiki Palmer. I feel like, and also I just saw her in, you know, Nope, the the latest Jordan Peele movie, but um, I don't know. I feel like she is such an adult, but we also can remember her as a kid. She's like out here doing her own thing, multi-talented, multifaceted. Um, I love her. When I see her, I'm like, I very relatable. Right. And, um, I, you know, as I was thinking about this question, she was the first, first person to come to mind. So apologies Mm. if she's younger than us. I don't know. She's a 93 and I think millennial starts at 95 or stops at 95. Okay, there we go. We claiming her. We claiming her. (laughs) I'm not mad at that choice. What about you, Carla? Well, (laughs) and I'll be like, well, (laughs) should I just keep it a thousand? Should I keep it a buck? Yes, this is the sugar-free podcast. That's the only way we do it. The rule. (laughs) I'm. I'm gonna say me because I am living my life unapologetically. I feel like millennials are definitely doing that. Still getting help from my parents and being honest about it. I'm going to be honest about it. A lot of us might not be, but I'm just keeping it up. Doing a lot of career change, career changes like a motherfucker. <laughs> Sorry. We can't. Um, <laughs> you know, but still in line with the vision. Um, breaking old traditions and starting new traditions. And I feel like that, oh, and putting wellness first, Mm. Um, putting myself and exactly what I need first instead of everyone else. And I'm still learning it and being honest with that too. And being honest with saying, you know what, just like Kiki, you know, she she put out there, she's like, look y'all, my face. I remember what she put out there. Mm. <laughs> she was like, my skin condition is messed up. This is what it's looking like. Also, this is what people are saying about it and they're pissing me off. But I want y'all to know that this is what's going on. The millennial woman is someone who's unapologetic. Someone who's still kind of looking back to family like, I don't know what I'm doing. I need your <laughs> and And just being open and honest. So I think those three things just that is who the millennial woman is today. Yes, I love that. And I know it's not, maybe it wasn't supposed to be the dynamic for like your panelists to know each other so well, but I actually want to co-sign Carla because I completely (laughs) agree. (laughs) Having seen the journey, like from beginning to, to now, like Carla absolutely embodies the courage that it took. I just think about like that first, job you had big girl job right like in new york corporate right (laughs) and like taking the leap to really you know invest in herself and her passion and in performing and singing and like you know moving into a spot on her own like there's just to, to witness that journey i feel like it really does represent so many folks i know right but she's just done it at a different level and in, in terms of like putting herself all the way out there right and like really really taking a leap of faith and i feel like so many of us have done that in these last you know 10 to 15 years and um because we've had to right and um 
So yeah, I want to co-sign. I want to co-sign that. Same, same. I I don't, I haven't had as up close um, of a view of your journey, but just watching you from afar, like you're living the dream, girl. (laughs) (laughs) It may not feel like that, right? Always on the inside, but as somebody who too has struggled with and I feel like this this is characteristic of millennial women, like fighting against what I was told to do or what I felt like was expected of me, um, what I should be doing versus what I genuinely unapologetically want to be doing. Like you are doing what you genuinely unapologetically want to be doing, even when it doesn't feel good all the time. Right. <laughs> like even if there are struggles, even if, you know, it means making sacrifices like you're doing it and. And I just have so much respect for that because I feel like there have been a lot of things, mainly myself, (laughs) that have kept me from unapologetically, like without fear, jumping into my passions. But we gonna get on your level one day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Y'all are, and I will say this, like the three of us, we all have been doing life unapologetically. And whether it's you doing your dance videos and putting them up and being like, <laughs> this is me, get into it. Or just yes. like you, I remember you doing a complete career shift and <laughs> I will never forget that walk. I will not, just like you said, we breaking barriers, but I'll never forget that walk when you're like, Carla, should we take this job? Like, yeah. should I leave New York Times? I was like, yes, yes, you should. And look at that. Here we are. <laughs> you have your own business. Yeah. That embodies a part of that leap that you took. And I think all of us are taking leaps. And that's a part of that unapologetic pool <laughs> that it, it, it encompasses that because yes. Uh, and I'm sure that's one of the questions, but I, I really do respect the women uh, that came before us. I really do because without them, we wouldn't be able to live unapologetically. But I think we're finally at that age and decade where we can be like, okay, hold up. Why are we doing that? Why have we been doing it? Okay, let's stop. Let's stop it. Like, just like mothers, and I know we're going to get on that, but watching my friends who are mothers now, I'm like, okay, I can probably be a mom now. Because that whole like perfection tip, that ain't real. <laughs> and millennial moms, again, I'm sure you can speak to this later down the line, but we all just like, look, we don't know what we're doing. I don't know how to do it. Mama, help me. Sister friend, help me. I need yeah. help. And that's hey, it. Man. Literally. Amen. And so for the listeners out there, I guess we didn't say this at the top of the episode, but Jess, Carla, and I all went to journalism school together at the Hampton University. Let's go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we are representing for what we call lovingly the Scrippas, which is what we call folks who attended the Scripps Howard School of Journalism and Communications at Hampton. And so hopefully we are representing the culture and the university well. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. I have one more icebreaker before we get into I'm gonna this another softball. What woman, millennial woman, do you have currently in heavy rotation on your playlist? Millennial woman. Yeah. So I am going to, I'll start this one. (laughs) And again, I'm not sure if she is a millennial woman exactly, but I think so. I think she's like right on the cusp. I like that Chloe Bailey. So I know that in my stories, I had a big referendum about her, but I let she listen. Chloe got bops. I will. I'll speak to that. Um, who I have in heavy rotation, uh, Ari Lennox, her album. Mm. Like when she came out with those song, I just got a new apartment. I was like, yo, I felt that in my soul, in the depths of my soul. I was just like, man, I can do whatever I want. I'm going to buy cheap wine glasses. 
I don't even know what I'm buying. I, matter of fact, I actually furnished this apartment with my sister's old stuff. Like, I was just happy to have my own space. And and then, like, actually, it's between her and Jasmine Sullivan um, Hotels because both of those albums speak to the woman. Um, they're also my airy sisters. Um, and Jasmine Sullivan is my birthday twin. I digress. <laughs> but, you know, both of those albums, they spoke to being a single Black woman coming of age, coming into who she was or who she is. It was like those two albums, we needed that after SZA. Because we were mm. like, SZA definitely spoke to our 20s. But like Ari and Jasmine, when they dropped those two albums, like it was just like, yo, this is who I am. Mm. It's this is it goes back to the, the keyword unapologetic. This is who I am. This is how I'm living. I'm a pop that, you know, I'm a little do whatever I gotta do. <laughs> or like in hotels, I loved the storyline, uh, those scripts, like those skits, I'm sorry. In between just talking about like, yeah, I cheated once, or yeah, you know, I do, I only identify with uh sex like this, or it was just so I say all that to say those two albums, listen to them again if you didn't catch it the first time or the second time, but listen to them wholeheartedly. And I promise you that those two, those two albums, that's the state of the millennial woman right there. All right. <laughs> Jess, you're up. <laughs> okay, so I think Carla knows. First of all, we have to shout out Bougie Black Girl by Carla G. Yeah. But also my song. I had to do it. I had to do it. It is very much. I had to do it because it is very much embodying, right? Heavy rotation. And the remix. I love the remix. The remix as well. Absolutely. Okay. Um, but I think Carla knows the artist who I'm going to shout out. And I you could confirm if she's a millennial or not, but Aaliyah Sheffield, um, who sings Earth yes. is Ghetto. Yes. Is it is she in Atlanta? She's in Atlanta, and yeah, thought- we, used to, we used to um, perform at an open mic, at the one at the Shrine together. Wow. This song, okay, because I, I actually had to check my Spotify as y'all were checking, as y'all were talking to see, like, who has been in heavy rotation on my, I have been playing this song since 2020, when yep. the world turned upside down, <laughs> and she put it out, I think, maybe just on Instagram at first, now yeah. it's on Spotify as of the last couple of months, but I love this song and I feel like it actually speaks to what millennial women and the rest of the world have had to go through in the last couple of years with just like, I mean, we got so many pandemics happening right now. Like you got COVID-19, you've got, you know, poverty, you got, I mean, so many, you know, economic, there's so many things happening right now. And this song just really nails it. You know, when you talk about like, beam me up, right? Like, just find me somewhere to go. I mean, this has literally been the reality that we have had to enter into as adults and a reality that we've had to take our kids into, our friends. We now taking care of our parents. We like making sure that everybody is good. And we're having to become uh, an adult at a time in which Honestly, the folks who have been advising us up until now don't really have a lot of experience for dealing with this stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, don't have a, we don't really have a blueprint for a lot of what's happened in the last couple of years. And so, yes, I so relate to her song, Earth is Ghetto, and I have been mm-hmm. singing it nonstop for, for the last two years now. And, um, you know, I just, I have to, I had to shout her out for really nailing it, you know, in terms of what we've been dealing with, so... I wanted to check that one out. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I was about to say, I don't know if you if you can maybe <laughs> sprinkle in some of the the music into this episode of of each of these things too, because <laughs> Jasmine I, Sullivan. But no. I cannot because copyright. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, <laughs> you would know. You would know. You would know. <laughs> Let's get into this but next conversation. 
I know that you had said earth is ghetto and there's a pandemic of poverty. And I feel like that is a perfect lead into our first hardball question, which is about finances and the financial state of the millennial woman. So according to research, the the average single black woman holds a median wealth of $101 and is invested in nothing, meaning they have no investment in real estate, stocks, mutual funds, none of that. How does that make you feel like when you hear that? Do you think, do you feel like it's true based on your experience and what you've seen of friends or are you feeling like mm, that, that statistics probably like wrong? <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> Maybe that's just the starving artist in me, but also unpopular opinion. I feel like it goes back to the baby boomers. God bless them, but they coddled us and they gave us a lot um, to the point that our 20s, we came up with the term adulting <laughs> to the point where we were still just living our day to day as if we were still in college. And, <laughs> and um, a lot of us, you know, we got, we went out there and we got jobs or whatever, but we just, I think uh, speaking for me, I think I felt like I had time, like investing and buying a house, and, you know, wealth building, just, it wasn't at the forefront. I'll be honest. It wasn't at my forefront. Um, I'll even say, cause I'm being honest. I remember when I first sat with Kevin, this was when I was 23, I think, <laughs> And he was, he was trying to coach me through and I just could not, I just could not grasp it again. Shout out to Kevin. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your time. But at the time, (laughs) I just, I couldn't grasp building wealth because in my mind, I was like, well, I still got my parents. They, they got me or, or all I got to do is like, just go get a job and, and just build my way up through my job to make more money. I didn't think like, uh, I guess, I don't even want to say it, working my whole life. <laughs> I didn't think about what do I need to do? What, what ducks do I need to lay in a row? So that when I'm in my 30s, going into 40, 50, the wealth is already building so that I can start making better decisions on having more money to play with or more money left over from all these expenses because even like this week yes I don't even think I have $100 to my name but that's because you know not understanding like oh maybe I should have an LLC now at this point because I'm like or an escort because I'm paying you know employees I'm paying videographer I'm paying stylist I'm paying hair person I'm paying makeup artists I'm paying musicians I'm paying, I'm doing travel, I'm doing her DMs, like, this is, and I'm looking around like, okay, okay, this doesn't make sense, and yes, we have a lot of resources out there, but mentally, it's a lot to just sit back and comb through all the resources to be like, okay, this is what makes sense for me, you know? And I say all that to say, I agree that the hundred dollars <laughs> makes sense. Um, but I feel like it makes sense because the knowledge um, and the stress on building wealth with the millennial was not pushed because our families, and I don't care if you came from poverty. I don't care if you came from upper middle class. I don't care if you came from rich, <laughs> like beyond rich, wealthy, okay? Baby boomers did not, they kind of spoke to us, but they they were not instilling like, this is what it means <laughs> to be an adult. Instead, it was like, oh, let me just help. Let me just help. Let me just help. Let me just help. And it's like, oh, well, I don't understand why you don't understand that. You didn't. You didn't set me up. You didn't set me up. Now, our 30s, 
<laughs> now I'm like, okay, I'm not blaming you anymore. Like I'm just doing it. I'm finding the resources and doing what I need to do. But I feel like a lot of us in our twenties, we would have been thinking like that if we weren't coddled. Sorry, that was very long. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. Jess, you want to jump in? Yeah, I'm going to go. I can, I can co-sign. I can co-sign for sure. Um, but I want to go broad, broader, I think, because y'all know you got the radical uh, political Black women on, on the podcast. No, but seriously, the American system is not set up to help Black women, Black millennial women succeed. In the way that it was set up to help, you know, white middle class families succeed in the 40s and 50s. And there's several reasons for that. Right. But like the minimum wage has not changed in over a decade. Like black women have more student debt than any other, you know, demographic group. Right. And and what happened? We got recession. We've got pandemic. We've got, you know, wages that have not changed. And, you know, since our, our parents started working, we've just got all of these things that, you know, our parents and grandparents did not have to deal with, you know, not to mention, you know, inflation right now, you got gas prices, you got, you know, rising rents, you got, you know, mortgage payments. It's just, it's a whole different world, right? And too many things have, have stayed stagnant um, while other things have have risen. And unfortunately, we are the ones caught in that cycle. And so I'll say, I'll admit, and again, I'm coming at this from a whole different angle, I guess, as like the married person on the panel, whatever. I was a little Mm -hmm. surprised to hear the statistic, (laughs) Um, you know, where Carla's like, sounds about right. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I actually was going to ask you, did you mean 101,000 or like $101? Like a hundred dollar bill plus a dollar bill. <laughs> yeah, I was, thinking, I was thinking, oh, Sydney's gonna have to go back and re-record that because that, that must have been a like I was surprised. So no girl, we got I nothing. I was thinking you misspoke. Okay. So yeah, no, it surprises me, but it doesn't because of everything I just named, right? Like I think the system used to work in the way in which our parents told us it worked, right? People got a job, they stayed in you know, at some company for 50 years, got a gold watch, right? Got to retire. My, my grandparents, you know, my, my grandma, I'll go ahead and shout out Lucille Moore on this podcast. You know, she was a teacher. Yeah. She was a teacher for her entire career. And she unfortunately is struggling with, you know, Alzheimer's right now. She's moved up to, to North Carolina with us, but she gets a check every month from the state of Louisiana to that yeah. pays for the help, you know, these, these black women who come in and help her to, you know, just get through her day. You know, we've got a psych, a rotation of, you know, three that come in throughout the week and that's paid for completely on her teacher's pension. <laughs> like, I don't know of any teachers getting taken care of like that anymore. You know, in our generation, people are, are fleeing the profession because of low wages, because of school shootings, because like, it's just not, this is not our parents' America. This is not our grandparents' America. And so I think it's, it's no, it doesn't surprise me that black women are probably suffering the most from that, you know, those failed expectations because that's, that's history, right? Um, Unfortunately, we've got that cross to bear of being a double minority and it's just, you know, it's unfortunate, but I don't think um, enough change has happened for it, for any other reality to exist. So mm. that, sorry, that was, that was, that was, that dark. was real. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what, really quickly, because you putting this outside, um, <laughs> I will say, Jess, I'm glad that you broke that down because I don't want to blame all the baby boomers because just like you said, that's what they knew. Yeah. They they're teaching us or trying to teach us from the America that they knew. Right. Versus what's happening right now. Well, I think to, to there was a lot there, I think, that just said that that had so much validity, as as well as as you speaking from your lived experience, Carla. Um, and so I don't know if you knew this, Jess, but my grandmother had Alzheimer's as well. 
and she died of it in 2007. Um, So I grew up having to watch my mom take care of her aging mother with Alzheimer's. And so my grandmother had my mom at 15 years old. And she did not have a high school education until she was in her 40s. Wow. And she was able to take care as a single black woman, two children without a college degree based on her salary and income working for Bell Bell South Atlantic, the phone company for her entire life. And to your point, when she retired, she had a pension and that pension is what allowed us to be able to pay for her care. Like she had a good pension, right? She had stock options with a high school education and two children as a single woman. Like that's not possible Mm -hmm. (laughs) in 2022. Like it is just not happening. Like I can say from my own lived experience, and this is something that people don't think of or expect like the wage gap is real and the the promise that we thought we would have of a good life that was filled with you know a good wages that would come as a natural consequence of having these degrees it did not work out that way for me and so I up until 2020 I was only making sixty thousand dollars a year on three jobs Right. Yeah. And and I'm not talking about and, and no shade to to the 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 women who aren't working in professional spaces, but I was working in three very professional corporate spaces, two universities and a major corporation, all in capacities that required a law degree. Mm-hmm. One that required bar passage. So I'm working as a fully functioning attorney. And I just didn't have it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I didn't have it. I'm working three jobs. And that's a, another thing that I think that a lot of us are doing as millennials. We we got a full time job, a part time job, a side hustle. And people will always be like, oh, you just like working. I'm trying to survive. Right. Like I love leisure. You know what I mean? I like fun. I, I don't know. But I, I got to survive. You know what I mean? Like our parents you know what I know that my mom would do everything that she could to help me if she if she could but she's not an unlimited wealth of resources <laughs> you know what I mean like I had to figure it out <laughs> you know she like baby I can maybe pay one bill what you know what I mean like and she's done more than she has to right like it's it's my turn it's my time to figure it out so I just had to put stuff on credit cards I had to have three jobs and and I revealed on the show that I didn't have anything save for retirement up until last year. And that's because I was just using every ounce of financial resource I had to survive. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so that's, I think, something that we don't talk about enough as millennials and millennial women is how difficult it is just to make ends meet, even with a college degree, even with a professional degree, even yeah. in corporate spaces like that, there is no guarantee of financial success with degrees and corporate jobs that I think that our parents kind of had even with less. And so we we need some more coin. Absolutely. <laughs> more coin and some more expectation, like just changing expectations. Like, I mean, I just read an article the other day that was like, you know, skills that are becoming obsolete, right? Balancing a checkbook is one of them because like, you know, who's still using a checkbook like that? You know, um, cursive writing, like that's something that like folks aren't really doing anymore. Reading a map. Could y'all imagine, God forbid, the grid collapses. We don't have Google Maps and all we got is (laughs) we got out to try and find each other. Like we got to try and figure out how to stay alive, right? When we leave our our house, we got to figure out how to, you know, make sure that we're able to to feed ourselves based on the the prices growing up in the grocery store. And it's just a whole different, it's a different world and where where they come from. (laughs) (laughs) One more thing I want to add about that too, is that like, so I remember being in like my late twenties and I was making financial decisions that like my sister was like looking at me like this doesn't make sense. Like you can't afford these things. And I'm like, like one of the things was my dog. 
And I was like, but I don't think you understand that for my mental health, I need this daggone dog. Right. And so like it's it's like when you don't have money, it's like you don't want to feel poor all the time. So mm. then you start making decisions about your money that really ain't helping your financial situation. But in the midst of everything going on, it's like on top of me being underpaid, potentially underemployed, I don't want to be reminded under every day that I'm also poor. I want right. to, I'm, I'm getting the dog. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, I could have barely afford to feed myself. Now I got to feed him. But it's just like, whatever, I'm doing it. Yeah, because what are we supposed to do? Just wait until I mean, at this rate, we'll be waiting until we're 80 years old to finally enjoy life. And so like we have to. Oh, wait. Yeah. No, it's a vicious cycle. It's a it's a really a vicious cycle. And um, I think that it has a lot of us trapped. And so I think that's why the statistic is where it is for right now. (laughs) But there, there just comes a point when it ain't the avocado toast or the Starbucks or whatever people think it is, is doing us in like it ain't that <laughs> it ain't the dog, you know, it ain't the massage, a massage every here and there is not going to fix the problem. Like we need to make more money. They want you look, they the the capital T, they they want you <laughs> to think it's the micro stuff. But really, we need change at a macro level. Like we need a complete overhaul of this system. And, you know, if we're going to talk about the American dream and bootstraps, whatever, we need a complete overhaul, you know, in order for our generation to succeed in the way that our parents and grandparents succeeded. So. So one question I have, too, that's really important for me to know as we work through the state of millennial women, do you feel like you've had the support from other millennial women that you've needed to kind of cope with these things? I can speak to that. I will say I am coming off of the high of just having gotten a lot of help from you, Sid Mac. (laughs) 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 On something for my, for my small business, you know, but um, yeah, you know, I think it's all about network is everything. And I think especially in a world in which we've all had to go inside for so long, like having a network beyond your family has been everything, at least for me. So like figuring out, you know, like what Carla mentioned, like, you know, forming an LLC and hiring and and building an entire business, you know, over the last two years, I would not have been able to do that without the support and the help from my friends. And yeah, it may not always be about you know, having a brain trust or a knowledge base, but honestly, just people to work. (laughs) Like, you know, my first two employees at my business were my sister-in-law, shout out to her, Kennedy, and my best friend, Justina, were my first two employees at my business, you know? Yes. So, you know, we finally got into a place where, you know, we're two years in and everyone who works with me, you know, pretty much met me through applying for the job, right? Which is really cool. But prior to that, it was, it was all family. So I would not have been able to do that without the support of other millennial women. I have a follow-up question too, and either one of you can jump in. Have you felt like you have felt comfortable in asking for help? Because I feel like that is kind of a hallmark of millennial women too, is that we're strong and we're badass and we can take on the world on our own. We cannot. Um, but sometimes it can keep us from asking for help when we need it. So do you feel like you've been good about asking for the help when you need it? I will say one shout out to New York City. Also, shout out to Gen X. Um, a lot of women in Gen X have helped me to see be okay with my um, coming of age. Um, whether it was also shout out to television and film, (laughs) whether it was like showing me a movie, whether it was like, I will never forget when a friend of mine, she was like, girl, if you haven't done 72 hour hold in a psych facility, living in New York city, you didn't do it right. And I was like, what is going on? (laughs) Wait, wait, but why do I know so many people who have done that though? Like, Wait, why, why, like, like what, why have they done it? That's a whole thing. But but just saying it's just normal 
just normalizing. That's one thing I love about New York City. Normalizing that you're not perfect. Um, so between my Gen X and my millennial friends, again, shout out to y'all, the mommy, the mommy millennials who between you and one of my other homegirls, like I was just like, oh, and tequila. We all know tequila and her, her amazing business, mama to mama. Okay. But, so um, tequila is a person and not Jose Cuervo. Correct. Sorry. Because <laughs> 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 look, according to these statistics, but 20% of millennial women is out here binge drinking once a month to get by. So. <laughs> and there's that was that. worth the clarification. That was worth the clarification. <laughs> it was, it was. Amen. But I mean, yeah, I think when we're in each other's homes, I think it's beautiful that we do strip back the layers. There's been things that you told me just like, girl, I, I'm not, I need it. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, one thing I do want to challenge us as millennial women, I want us to be more open to the masses. I know that it's hard to do that. Like for instance, I'm just speaking for me. I wish more millennial women said out loud that they have gotten help from their parents for a bill or two. Or because my entire 20s, I beat myself up for getting help because I didn't think it was to the point where I didn't think I was an adult, <laughs> period. I didn't think that because I was taking care of everything, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not a badass woman, you know, like I, I'm just a child. But then I look, then I have more conversations and I'm like, oh, we all still on our parents. Well, I'm like, everybody, <laughs> okay, got it, got it, got it. Or, or you still go to your parents' house to grab some groceries? Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> or, you know, you still go to your parents' house to do laundry or whatever it is. I wish that we were more open about that instead of making it seem as if we're just doing all this alone. Um, I think, you know, I do think that I've been getting help um, from my sisters and my brothers, but I would love us to be more out loud about it. I really would love for us to be more out loud about it because one thing Gen Z is doing, they're being out loud. They're like, yes, I'm taking this trip on my mother's credit card. I don't care. <laughs> or like, or, you know, it's almost like millennials are like, yeah, my sugar daddy did that or whatever. It's like, let's, let's just keep it a buck. Or like, everybody knows they got that one friend who she puts everything on her credit card and then we pay her back. You know, like, let's just be more open. Let's just be more open. I know we're, we're doing a lot better than where we came from in the generations before us, but it took me until 32 <laughs> to be more open and honest and saying like, I've, I've gotten help in these areas and this is just who I am. I struggled blaming my parents or blaming the world on why I'm not an adult. And I'm finally here and realizing that being an adult is literally whatever your story is and not what everybody else's story. And I yeah. probably sound crazy the way I'm talking, mm. <laughs> but like, no. I just really, I'm so passionate about that. Like now in my thirties and when I talk to 20 year olds or beyond, I'm just like, please be okay with where you are right now. Be okay with not knowing and be okay with asking questions. I'm even at that point of life where I'm just like, somebody be like, oh, you know, let's just for this conversation. You know Chloe Bailey, and I'm I'm like uh, I know who she is, you know. But it'd be like, no, actually, I don't know who Chloe Bailey is because I found myself doing that. Like, what? Oh, I'm just gonna go along with it because I'm gonna. I just want to sound like I know what I'm talking about. Like, no, be open yeah. to asking questions and saying, does this make sense? Do you struggle with grocery shopping too? Do you struggle with meal planning? Is that even a thing? Do we use the Nutribullet or do we use a regular blender? I don't know. Do 
Do you use a water filter? Are we going to, I don't really know. Do you change it often? I don't, uh, are you worried about frozen food versus like getting it from a farmer's market? Or are we all okay with the fact that we all have a lot of frozen meals or food so that there's no food waste? Like, let's just talk about it. No, that's so real. I mean, I think, and, and that was something too, that I was going to say too, is I feel like we are at a place where we are being more open than generations past. And we are able to be more vulnerable and be ourselves and are trying to be intentional about creating spaces where that's possible. I, I, I've noticed. And so like with older women and not all older women, but with older women, like there's still this feeling of, is she really my friend, right? If I truly am vulnerable with this person, are they going to use this against me at some later day? Are they secretly conniving behind my back? And so I feel like for me, I grew up having those kinds of thoughts in like ingrained in me in the back of my mind, like, oh, you don't tell people. You can't trust people. You know what I mean? Because to be open and vulnerable requires a huge level of trust and getting rid of this scarcity mindset. Because I feel like our other generations past, it felt like there can only be one black girl in this space. And so it better be you or it better be, you know what I mean? Like if that's your mom or it better be me or what have you. And so when you grow up with that kind of mentality, Even if you know that women in general should be your greatest ally, you kind of in the back of your mind have that feeling that they're also potentially your greatest enemy. And that informs how you move and how you treat them and the vulnerability that you're willing to display and share with them. And so I feel like we are breaking that down, you know, and saying like, what is for me is for me. Can't nobody... (laughs) man, woman, child, take away from me what is for me. So I can tell you that I've been broke. I could tell you that I'm getting help from my parents and you could see me different and it's not going to change the blessings that are meant to flow to me, you know, by virtue of the things that are for me. And so I feel like that there's a lot of mental, you know what I mean? Like, indoctrination that we are having to unlearn to both a be vulnerable and b get comfortable asking for help like I will never forget I was talking to my mama shout out to my mama and I was like mom I need a housekeeper like I just I need one I'm I, I don't know if I can afford one but the clutter in my home is like contributing to my mental health in a very negative way I don't have time to clean up And like the thought of spending my free time cleaning is like also contributing to my mental health in a negative way. And she's like, why can't you clean your own house? After I say all that, right? Why why can't you clean your own house, right? Just like this thought and idea that there's something wrong with you if you can't do all the things. Like I did it. You know what I mean? Like I did all the things and I had two kids and a and a circus that I ran and, you know, the the community (laughs) center that I ran and a full time job. And I still clean my house and I put it. I'm like, girl, you deserve a medal. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I cannot I cannot do all the things I, I, I don't want to try. I need help. And so but growing up with a mom who's two generations removed. So my mom is the same age as most of my friend's grandparents. Like, it's like just not even something that she could conceptualize in her mind. Like, why would somebody else clean your house? Because I can't. (laughs) Like, because I can't, because I need help. And so like, yeah, I feel like those are things that uh, we as women are having to learn and unlearn is how to be vulnerable and even how and when to ask for help, even when you can't afford it. Right. And just to piggyback on that and what Carla said, you know, as she was talking, I was thinking, you know, I take a lot of pride in being the first of my siblings to get off my parents' cell phone plan, right? When I was like 24, 25. But at the same time, as much as I want to be like, I haven't relied on my my parents for anything, that would be a lie. Like when I think about the last two years, I mean, I, I read a statistic, Sydney, that, you know, a lot of millennials have gone home, you know, since the mm-hmm. pandemic started, have moved within, you know, 30 miles of, of their childhood home. And it's it's honestly, in my view, us getting back to what is 
honestly ancestral to our community, which is leaning on each other. Like we have mm. to lean on each other. There were it, we grew up in intergenerational households. There were folks who had grandparents, great grandparents, you know, babies all in the same house. And for the first time, our generation is leaning into that because we need help, right? I mean, I think about you know, my husband and I bought a house last year, we would not have been able to do that down payment after spending, look, I'm really proud that we were able to live in a brownstone in Harlem, in New York City, whatever, but we were not able to save that entire time that we were in that apartment, (laughs) you know? And so coming home and making up for that year that we weren't able to save by living with my parents, having a baby in that same household, getting the help, being able to save month after month and pocket that check, from both our jobs enabled us to be able to invest in a home when we came out of their house. And so you can't deny that leaning on each other and leaning on generations past is the way it's the way that we get through to the type of success that our parents saw, right? It was the success they saw through these corporate and and social structures, the social safety net. But given that we don't have that, we have to lean on each other. It's it's just no, there's no choice, right? So whether it's getting parent to pay a bill or leaning on them for childcare or something, there's no other way through, you know, but to to really lean on each other. I love, I really love that you said that. I think it's probably society. (laughs) We have, we were so gung-ho on just being by ourselves and living by ourselves and doing everything by ourselves without family help because we probably looked at having family help as poverty. Exactly. As, as the black community. Yes, we did that back in the days because that's what we had to do. I'm sure we think back like slavery or just, we thought that was, and now we as millennials and even Gen X, Gen X millennials on, we're like, Oh no, we will never go back home or we will never ask for help we can just call a nanny or we can call a housekeeper. We can do whatever we need to do to be self-sufficient. But I really love that you, it's almost like in what you said, you changed that narrative. Yeah. Saying it goes back to community. It has nothing to do with like, even you saying, okay, mom is helping pay a phone bill. That's a part of community. Absolutely. Like, Like, like the whole, remember, remember in quarantine, people were doing susus. Remember the, like, yep. you yes. know, like, that was hilarious. But, um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, we've all been trying to grasp back at community, you know, and we need to change the narrative of what does it mean to really dive in to community? I think it's about giving help to each other while also educating one another and empowering one another to stand on our two feet and I think what we think about and maybe that's the aspect we're missing sometimes is the empowerment aspect because you'll give the help but you won't empower like mm-hmm. like my team my, my glam team now <laughs> you know my stylist and my makeup artist they're amazing but they've done it so well to the point where now I'm sending my stylist stuff and she's like oh yeah girl I would have picked that too good job so I think we need to do more of that more empowering and continual education um because I think also will help and be like you got it because you know we love to do you got it no I don't got it can we come back remember how will help and make you feel bad about needing the help or exactly. making you feel like needing the help is, is there something wrong with it or there should be shame around it and there shouldn't be. And that's, again, the word, the key word here is empowerment. Because if you empower somebody to ask questions, if you empower somebody, you know, I think like even my mom, she's helping me like crazy. But I think also she got it. She came up here, shout out to my sold out show. She was like, oh, snap. She saw all the community rally around me and come out and support. And she's like, okay, she just needs a little financial help to push her through. Same with my dad. Shout out to my daddy. Just the parental units. Shout out to them. (laughs) You know, but at the end of the day, it's just those small things 
that empower us. So I guess what can we do? The state of the millennial woman too is how can we empower one another to be not just self-sufficient, but empower one another to become more of a community? Because that makes me really sad when you said that Black women specifically are like, oh, I'm the only one who needs to be here. I can't tell her that. I can't give her my secrets. Because if I give her my secrets, then she's going to rise above me or she's going to stab me in the back. That that makes me so sad because thankfully, I've had women like y'all in my life who who would never, like y'all have always been loving to me, whether it's through conversation, physically, like I'm helping you or whatever it is. I just love that. And I just really want us to empower one another. Like what's for you is for you, sis. Come on in. I got you. (laughs) But you can tell me and that's fine. It's fine. So let's empower. Let's just empower one another more. Like, community that's it agree we can do so much by ourselves but so much more together and um and that was the final thing I said in my my high school graduation speeches I'll meet you at the top you know it's it's plenty of room they want you to think it's only a little bit of room it's plenty of room right they just we got to lift as we climb so that's the key Unfortunately, I will say that I've I've had both like I've had millennial women who have been my biggest allies and cheerleaders and also who have stabbed me in the back. Right. And but but I've never I try not to take it personally because I have had enough good, solid women in my life to know that that's just them. It's not every single woman that's come across. But I do think that there are still way too many and not just black women, but just women in general, because it's not just been black women who have like it's but it's definitely been more women than men <laughs> in general who have not been the support to me that I would have wanted or expected. But they got to go to their own therapy for that. I can't carry I can't, I can't you know what I mean? I can't carry that for them. Um, but I, I agree, like empowerment and being Right. And it's not just asking that of other women. It's being that for other women like you. You have to. And I feel like that's why like life will kick you in the butt. Like, you know what I mean? Like I I have seen so many women, myself included, who used to be so judgmental and I'm on my high horse and my ish don't stink and all of that. And so yours shouldn't either. But baby, let me tell you, once you're own butt gets handed to you a few times by life (laughs) you know what I mean and you realize that you are only where you are at by the grace of God and a few good sisters you're like okay I owe it to the next woman to be what somebody was for me so that we can keep the circle going because like I said just as many women who have out there who stabbed me in the back there have been twice as many who have raised me up and I would not be here without them so I make it my mission to do that and be that for someone else when I can because it could be really the difference for them in that moment and with that I'm gonna go ahead and cut myself off (laughs) (laughs) as well as you two fabulous ladies before we get into the second half of this conversation. So I guess what I'm saying is this is a wrap for State of the Millennial Woman part one. (laughs) I know we are only halfway in and the episode has already gone an hour. And so y'all know we're millennial women. We busy. I'm not going to force y'all to sit through a two hour episode, but we are going to get through to the rest of this conversation because I feel like y'all need to hear it. So I split this episode up into two parts. We have part one and part two. I hope you'll tune back in for part two because we are going to be talking about love, relationships, marriage and kids. It would not be a conversation discussing the state of the millennial woman without it. Okay. So thank you so much for tuning in to part one of the season premiere of the Sugar Free Podcast. Make sure you check back in for part two for plenty of more laughs, more great conversation, and of course, more of the most exquisite tea that's 100% sugar free. Woo chow. Mm-hmm. What a show. We shared some good old tea today, didn't we, friend? Thank you for your presence. 
I truly enjoyed you at the tea party. And we appreciate you sipping on some sugar-free tea. With me, your host, Sid Mack. Until next time, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Sugar Free Podcast or at Sugar Free Pod. You can also visit our website at www.sugarfreepodcast.com. See you again soon, friends. And be sure to keep the tea party going, a with plenty of tea. That's 100% sugar-free. Tired of piecing your business forms together from an internet search? Tired of sealing all your business deals with a pinky promise? Looking for a way to add some formality and professionalism to your business relationships? Then you need Formally. Formally is a DIY legal form and template shop for entrepreneurs, small business owners, creatives, freelancers, dreamers, and side hustlers. All Formally forms and templates are drafted by an experienced, licensed business attorney and reviewed by a law professor. So, not to brag or anything, but our forms are pretty legit. So what are you waiting for? Throw those pinky promises away and try Formally today.